conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I am joined by Jonathan Lally, and today we are talking all about The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. We've been trying to get these episodes out as quickly as humanly possible, so we are just a day removed from finishing this series. Jonathan, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for having me. Of course, and we'll just dive right in because I think Marvel definitely took more of a risk with WandaVision than they did with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, I would have to agree. This is a little bit more grounded. Uh, And I think most of us kind of expected that based on the trailers and the characters themselves. They've all always been kind of, you know, Captain, whether it be Captain America, whether it be Falcon, whether it be Winter Soldier, Bucky, all of these people, they're more grounded, obviously, you know, as grounded in reality as you can be for a superhero movie uh but you know they've always been a little bit more grounded and and not weird and just kind of straightforward and uh i think we got we got that and and some extra stuff as we'll we'll cover yeah this one felt like it already had a story that we knew needed to happen whereas with wandavision that was a little more up in the air as to what could happen during that but this because of our familiarity with the characters and knowing that cap wasn't around and had given the shield to Sam, we kind of had the gist of where this was going to go. And they did throw in a couple things that I don't think I was entirely expecting. But from the perspective of Sam and Bucky, I feel like this show, the whole purpose of it was to sort of advance those two characters forward. And I like what they did with Sam and showing his family and Bucky's redemption arc and just showing how he's been dealing with the grief of all of the things he did when he was on the wrong side of things. (laughs) And, you know, obviously against his will, as everyone keeps forgetting. Um, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, right when they drop us at the beginning of the show and you're starting to see Bucky dealing with the flashbacks and the trauma associated with being the Winter Soldier, as well as you know, uh, Sam's life and how things, you know, everyone expects that, well, you're an Avenger, like life must be grand, you know, and, and immediately we ground him in reality and being like, well, everyone forgets that Sam was, he was a, he's a veteran. He's always been kind of part of the working man, uh, taking care of other veterans and providing support. He's always been you know, very down to earth and a real person. Whereas like you have the Tony Starks and like the Stephen Stranges of the world. He's always been a little bit more great. Him and Steve have always been a little bit more grounded in reality and, uh, and, and for common people. And uh, it was nice to see, you know, at the very beginning of that show, like, Oh wow. Like he's dealing with, you know, family stuff, just like anybody else. And things are not all hunky-dory. And there's this line where uh, they're trying to get a bank loan, I believe, in like the first or second episode. And the bank teller is just like, so how do you guys get paid anyway? And I remember like that's always been a question that's kind of rattled around in my brain is like, how do these people get paid? I mean, there's probably like a lot of them have, I think he, as he pointed at the beginning of the show, he's working, he's on a government contract. He's got government contracts. But like the Avengers are kind of, 
gone at this point. We don't really know what's happening. We're in this interesting kind of like thing, this midsection right now where like, you know, things are uncertain, you know, and I think obviously as viewers, I think the future of the MCU is really bright and we're, we haven't even, you know, gotten who our next big bad is and stuff. And so there, a lot of this is being reflected in the stories that they're telling, you know, it's like an interesting transition point for the Marvel universe. I think what they're doing with the shows is allowing them to dig deeper into the characters in a faster way, basically, because, you know, we have roughly a year or two between seeing certain characters in the movies. You know, you have the first Iron Man movie, then you kind of wait until the second one to get a little more of Tony's story. And those are much longer gaps than a week to week story. And they are really doing a good job with giving us what direction all of these characters are going in, especially post Endgame. Yeah. And obviously we have, you know, Loki coming up, we have the Black Widow movie. So there's a lot of stuff that is still up in the air and we don't exactly know where the next phase is going to take us as far as, like you said, the villain and everything. But with these two characters in particular, they had questions that needed to be answered and I think this was the best way they could do that without taking, you know, two or three movies to do the same thing. Absolutely. I do like that we are going into these characters that were really like side characters. They were yeah. fun, amazing side characters, but side characters nonetheless. And, you know, there's a lot to love. I, a lot of the reactions I've seen from other people on the internet is just like, oh, wow, you know, like Sam was always a fun character to be, but no one I particularly cared about or, you know, same with Winter Soldier. People say that because that's how they were written and they were always very much side characters. And, you know, now we're moving into this next phase and, you know, it, it would be much harder to rally around them in just like one movie. The fact that we get to spend more time with them in between the next films or wherever they're going to show up next has been a real blessing. Uh, to fans of the MCU, you know, we, we, we get to humanize these characters a bit, you know, we really only knew Bucky as Steve's friend and then as a bad guy. And we always knew Sam. And, and, and it's funny because a lot of the show, you know, as we'll kind of like dive into, but like a lot of the show addresses those types of feelings and, and, and that reaction. I remember, uh, I believe it was the second episode where they had just kind of interacted with the Flag Smashers for the first time on that truck. And they're having that conversation with John Walker in in the back of the truck. And he says something like, I really like I really need my wingman. Like, I really need Cap really needs his wingman. And he's like, it's always that last sentence. <laughs> it's always it's always that last thing. And even like even this guy is like you know, treating Falcon as just like backup as, as opposed to like his own complete person with his own, you know, moral compass and things that go on. He's just like, no, you're just Cap's help. You're just Cap's help. And so I think a lot of this, you know, whether intentional or not in, in the eyes of the viewer is like really kind of taking your expectations and what the audience has been kind of, you know, uh, whether they knew it or not, starting to feel these ways and now it's kind of like this show is challenging a lot of that amongst many other things that they're challenging and this isn't a story solely about sam and bucky because they do a nice job of incorporating other elements of the mcu and i was thinking about it, i was like okay you know they gave us the don Cheadle appearance 
briefly, but it was there. They brought back Baron Zemo. They brought back Sharon Carter. They brought in the Dora Milaje. And they didn't make it feel like it was forced. It fit in with the flow of the story. And it fit in with what we had seen from the Captain America movies. It's not like any of these characters showing up was a huge surprise. They definitely tried to do some interesting things with it. And, you know, going into this, I don't recall if I watched a ton of the trailers. I probably watched one or two tops. And I didn't really know what to expect character-wise, but I knew this was kind of like, okay, what happens next with the shield? And that was going to be something that was the core of this story, regardless of who the villains were, who the heroes were. And they brought in a bunch of new characters, too. So to kind of dive into that, I definitely want to talk about John Walker, because he's a character who I think has been around for quite some time in the comics. And he is basically this Captain America wannabe and it doesn't work out for him, and he becomes U.S. agent, and it's kind of like a darker version of Captain America, and I think they do a nice job of handling that and showing how he turns into U.S. agent. Absolutely, and there's there's a lot that they kind of like walk you to the line with John Walker and certain things and certain conversations he has, not just to see a stark difference between him and Steve, but him and people like Steve and Sam. You know, Sam and Sam and Steve had moral compasses that were very closely aligned. And there's there's things that John Walker says to uh what's his name? Lamar Hoskins, uh at the beginning where he's like, Who would have thought that like one day we'd be here and now I'm doing this? And then there's other things that they talk about where you can tell like they've seen some stuff go down as soldiers. They've seen some stuff, uh, maybe had to make some really tough calls. Uh, there's even some kind of like looming uh, question of like, yo, what were those calls? Like, were you like, did you injure some innocent bystanders or like, you know, like war is dirty and gross and, you know, really tragic. And, and you know, I don't even need to go into this. Like, there's so much that you kind of just assume. And I think that we were, they did such a good job of, making us hate the guy that it was a little bit easier to get behind the idea of like, yeah, this guy's done some shady shit. <laughs> and, you know, of course he's going to do that. Of course he's going to do this. And yeah, the, I was, you know, I was surprised because going in, you know, given that we knew he was going to be some sort of iteration, I was surprised when they just called him Captain America at the end. And then of course I was like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Yep. Okay. This makes sense. There was a little bit like I mostly really enjoyed Wyatt Russell Wyatt Russell thank you Kurt Russell's son Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son I, think. I believe so yeah yeah um he did a great job <laughs> people hated him so much and I think that's actually like a sign that you've done a good if that's the character they're trying to get across then you've done a fantastic job and he did a really good job but I felt like uh you know we can go into it later but there were I think there were a lot of wins. I think mostly that character was done really well and my only problems with him were not actually anything with his uh you know acting or anything like that. We can get to it later, but in general I really liked what they did with that and I hope that he pops up again. I was honestly rooting for him to survive and so you know spoiler I mean the fact that he does it, it, it leaves so much 
for the future. You know, they've set a lot of they've set a lot of things in motion now that they can. And we, as we know, Marvel does eventually come back and make good on people that they don't kill. Yeah, there was really only one character that they brought into the fold in this, and I was like, okay, we don't really know what's up with this character, and that was Joaquin. Yeah, I know he's in the comics and everything like that, but. As far as this story arc goes, it's like they went really hard on introducing him and making you think he was important, only for him to kind of just be there at the end as an onlooker. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, the fact that they've they've also left some seeds of like Sam leaving his uh, his old wings with him, and Torres has always been kind of curious, and we know obviously some things from the comics do not translate to the screen and right. i think in the comics he's kind of turned into this almost like i immediately think of like uh rick and morty like bird person like this like hybrid like ro- you know robotic falcon or something like something as a tool to be used in a bad way and like i think that they were just kind of planting the seeds to be like oh yeah someone else could eventually like come back into the fold as like the new falcon um but they've left that I mean, he was he was more of like a comic relief, you know, boots on the ground, dude. Uh, but I do like that they had him and that he is. And, and for comic fans, that's just another thing. They can be like, ooh, 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 I know who that is, <laughs> you know, and so I'm not a comic person. But once I see people reacting that way in the videos and the breakdowns every week, uh, it was cool to, you know, it's cool to see that they're planting those types of seeds. And also just in general, like making the comics and and these types of things for all intents and purposes look less like me look more like people everywhere of this world everywhere and uh it's nice that they're doing that i mean there's so much of this show is rooted in a lot of that and i felt like even though there were things just like with everything where i feel like you know certain missteps or whatever like i think in general on a lot of what they were trying to get across they they stuck the landing on I want to preface this by saying that I did have a lot of fun watching this, but I do think some of the storylines fell a little flat because Marvel is typically pretty good at making it so you don't have to read the comics to understand what's going on. But there were a few things in this show in particular, and, you know, hopefully they'll expand on them down the line that just felt like if you didn't have at least a little bit of comics knowledge. Right maybe all of the pieces weren't quite there for you. And I think, you know, obviously, with this being Marvel, this is not like a contained thing that they're never going to revisit. So that's kind of what makes me hopeful that some of these things will get wrapped up later. But as far as these six episodes go, you almost feel like they could have made this eight episodes instead and maybe expanded on, you know, like Isaiah Bradley's storyline a little more because... After watching this, I actually went and looked up some of the comics and I was like, okay, I'm going to read these things and see, you know, how closely it lines up with that stuff. And like you said, you can't do everything in the comics in a TV show or movie just because comics, you can draw whatever you want and don't have to worry about like the mechanics of how it all works on screen and things like that. Yeah. Or write whatever you want, just like any sort of plot. Oh yeah. Like this, Yeah, for those of us, I'm not going to take us too far down a tangent, but like many of us were expecting Mephisto in WandaVision. But when you look at like, and, and, and for all, I'm still confident that we might still get Mephisto somewhere down the line, obviously with her coming back. But the uh, point I want to make is that 
the kids, I believe, in the comics are like pieces of Mephisto's soul. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying Disney couldn't do it. Uh, I just don't know how it would translate to screen quite yet. But I still think that they might, they could do something like that. I mean, there's so much that they have yet to explore. But like, I meant in general, like, not just like, the way it looks or, you know, happens in the comics, but also just the way things are written. Like they just sound silly when they're like presented sometimes in a film format. Um, you know, we have like uh Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. I believe in the comics, they're actual rings worn on the fingers, but in the film, we're getting them as like wrist bracelets, basically, you know, rings around the wrist. So yeah, certain things are going to be changed and, and done. And, you know, just because we have, uh, Torres in the MCU now doesn't mean we're necessarily going to go down the comic route just because we have U.S. agent. Like, there were things I thought, you know, since we're going to be skipping around a little bit about, I thought that his redemption arc at the end was unnecessary. Um, but I do like that when he's suiting up as U.S. agent, he's like, yeah, I'm back. Like, it, it did strike me as like, I love the evil path they had him go down on. And now the fact that he's not really being punished and he's being elevated again kind of builds up that character to be like, yeah, I'm doing right. I'm doing the right thing being who I am. And now I'm being rewarded by this like shadowy figure who I can't wait to see see more of Julie Louis-Dreyfus in the show or uh, anywhere in the MCU for that matter. But there were certain things about his character that like like the way they wrote him at the end to have that redemption arc. And now he's like. Maybe he thinks he's good now because he did one good thing and he participated. I helped, you know, I helped. I was there. But mostly I was really happy with how he was written. And I felt like based on who I what I heard, new Captain America goes psycho, becomes U.S. agent. That pretty much that happened. <laughs> that happened here. So a good chunk of that stuff does happen. But like there were you mentioned like some of the plot holes like I, I, I wrote this down. But, you know, there was word of a potential abandoned plot that was scrapped and rewritten due to the coronavirus about uh, whether it was like a virus or a pandemic or something. Um, and, you know, you can hear that they did a bunch of uh, overdubbing of dialogue and stuff that they recorded and filmed later. Um, now, I don't know how much of that had to do with some of the clunkiness of the plot. There were also some reveals that I thought were awful, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, I think most of my friends expect that I'm going to enjoy everything Marvel does, but I feel like I'm the older I get, the more critical I am of things that were like <laughs> my favorite. And uh, like, you know, just so we're getting to it, like the whole thing with Sharon Carter being the the power broker power broker was just sloppy. And what pisses me off is that there have been people saying that this entire season and like most of the the people that the talking heads that I watch that talk about this stuff, John Campia, Eric Voss, and you know, and uh, MT, and all these people that are like new rock stars, they were all like, "No, that'll never happen. That's so dumb." And I was just like, "Yeah, that's that's stupid." And now that it happened, I feel like it gives those people like a leg to stand on, and they're gonna make way like more bad predictions. And when it doesn't happen, they're just gonna be they're gonna find reasons to not be happy. Whereas like. I don't know if she was originally always supposed to be that. I uh, I was assuming that that connect was going to be, uh, oh, the you know the power broker is actually Mandarin, and then like we're going to lead right into Shang Chi. Am I upset that that wasn't it? Yeah. Am I mad and hate the show now? No. But I just I just think Sharon Carter being the power broker was sloppy. 
I didn't care for that twist either. And as far as what I know of Power Broker in the comics, that's a company, not a person. So to have them make that kind of change, I was like, okay, that's not the worst thing they could change from the source material. But I was like, this is Sharon we're talking yeah. about, you know? Yeah. And the fact that she was ultimately the one behind the serum and all of this stuff. And I hated that. I was just like, oh, okay, this is why they put her in this. And I wasn't a fan of that storyline at all, really. And you mentioned Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who is playing Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine, which is yep. a very long name. So we're just going to call her Val. because. But she tells us not to, but she's not here, so we can do this. We'll be okay. We're safe. But she has ties to Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comics. So I'm kind of hoping this is like her using S.H.I.E.L.D. to her advantage and maybe we get to see her become Madame Hydra if that hasn't already happened. I'm kind of hoping they wouldn't just be like, oh, this is who she is and not have that sort of character arc. Yeah, many feelings about that. I I still hope that it's actually not Sharon because <laughs> she's talking to someone on the phone. Who's she talking to at the end? Like, Also, if we're going to get really nerdy, Sharon was blipped. She was blipped. When did she become the power broker? Sometime between... Civil War. So you're telling me she, in between Civil War and Infinity War, she became a power broker, then gets blipped, then comes back, and she's the power broker. Still, like, a lot of these things just don't make sense to me. And I felt like that was a real missed opportunity to start leading into some other stuff. And it's kind of like an example of a problem that I think Star Wars has, and they're starting to get better about it is instead of making this huge galaxy bigger, they insist on keeping it small by being like, oh, everyone's related to this and this and this. Like, why does the twist have to be Sharon Carter was was the power broker? I think it was just a huge missed opportunity. And I hope that we're actually going to get something different later because she never explicitly said it, but she, you know, kills off two people who know. So I assume it's her. I just hope that we get a little bit more fleshing out of that to make me believe it also because it's like you're the power broker, but like you're out on the streets fighting people like you're too valuable. Why don't you have people fighting for you? Why do you need all of these people? Why, you know, it's just so much doesn't make sense there, but I guess I'm willing to forgive that. Cause like I keep saying all of the little things with the flag smashers that I wasn't crazy about with Sharon Carter, the, the core of the story is Falcon and winter soldier. So I'm willing to forgive most of that stuff. Because these are stepping stones. And also, I think that they can improve a lot in season two if we get to a season two, which we can talk about later. But yeah, I agree. There was a lot of weird plot hole things happening and a little bit of sloppy writing, which ultimately I ended up enjoying WandaVision just slightly more because of that. But, you know, in general, I was I was pretty happy with this. And the city that they're in, Madripoor, or the island that they're on, that place is a huge factor into the X-Men comics. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they circle back to that later and maybe we see Sharon at some point interacting with these other characters and that's kind of a way to bring them into the fold. But like you said, this show isn't about Sharon, really. She's kind of... They're not necessarily in the same way that Darcy appeared in WandaVision, because I right. think Darcy was way more fun. But it's like they were wanting to bring other characters in. And Sharon is a character who made sense because she knew Sam, she knew Bucky. And it was something that definitely 
was underwritten in this, but Marvel could still, you know, redeem themselves with that storyline later. But as far as Sam and Bucky go, I really liked seeing how they interact together, too, because we get Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which definitely feels like a buddy cop movie of all the Marvel movies. And we get more of that here. And I just really like the dynamic between the two of them. And even when they disagree with things, they're both level-headed enough for the most part at this point in time to work through it. And you have that funny moment where they're in like the interrogation room and the therapist comes in and, you know, they get really, really close to each other. You have, you know... Crossing legs. Yeah. (laughs) Literally crossing legs with each other so funny they have that moment at the end where you know bucky kind of pats him on the shoulder and is like good job cap and you have them working together in a way that i don't think anyone really expected when we were first introduced to these two characters so it's just nice to see how far they've come absolutely i mean it's so funny when you think about it the first time these two met was when bucky is the winter soldier and trying to kill him. So uh, it is it is interesting in that regard. And also, like, I also want to talk a little bit about that, too. Just, like, the fact that there's this whole... Another thing I felt was a little... Like, they walked us so close to the edge and then decided not to jump off was the fact that we're going through this huge transition for Sam, and this whole season is spent talking about Bucky at the very beginning. I am no longer the Winter Soldier. You are a part of my amends. Like the fact that they ended it and he's still being called the Winter Soldier in the title felt a little weird to me. But especially since they've brought up a point now to call him White Wolf several times. I think that might be a name that only people in Wakanda call him. Absolutely. And even he was like, are you White Panther now? He's like, it's actually White Wolf. But like, he doesn't call himself that anywhere else. But I would like to see eventually, like, what's the whole point of him making amends for being the Winter Soldier and stuff if the the the, the show is not going to reflect that either. But, you know, they could in the future. They could. I mean, there's a lot. I I also still think the Winter Soldier is a badass name, but it also makes it weird that the title card at the end is Captain America and the Winter Soldier. When you consider Captain America, the Winter Soldier, it's a little weird to me that I have no problem. Everyone's like, are you have a problem with Sam being Captain? I was like, no, not at all. I love that part. (laughs) I want, I just want some, you know, some sort of like, I feel like we got so much with Bucky in this show, but then they didn't walk us the rest of the way and I feel like that is whether that is a missed opportunity or intentionally planned for later I'm I'm not I'm gonna choose not to be once again like just because it didn't go away I thought it should go I'm not gonna you know write off the entire show like I think a lot of this fandom does you know people that are so tied to the comic books and one way of life and you know it's it's the same way I feel about loving the video game the last of us but i don't want the tv show to be the exact same thing as the video game i want there to be some nuance and difference and like room for growth and i think that's what the mcu has been so great at and so sometimes even when i don't agree with some of the stuff that they do i'm along for the ride and we have such a long ride ahead (laughs) so one other storyline i really want to talk about is isaiah bradley and that storyline really felt like gave Sam some conflict when he was considering picking up the shield later in the season. And in the comics, you have Isaiah Bradley as sort of, you know, 
the first Captain America, essentially, back in the 40s while Steve was, if I'm not mistaken, still on ice, basically. And he went through all of these things that Steve didn't know about. And unfortunately, we aren't going to get those Steve and Isaiah scenes. And so they kind of redo that a little and have it be him and Sam instead. And I think because they are both black men in America, there's a good conversation to be had there. And they have it, but it just felt like that one didn't quite get there all the way for me either. But then at least you have that sort of closure at the end when Sam takes him to the, I don't even know if it's the Smithsonian or what, but... I think it's the Smithsonian. Yeah, I think you're correct. It's some fancy museum. Yeah, he takes him into the room and there's a statue of him. And, you know, he finally is sort of at peace with things. And because he doesn't really like Sam necessarily to begin with. So you have that tension the whole time and they finally get that resolved. Yeah. Yeah. Even and that's that 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 is passed down to his son too. Even if his son is just like, what are you doing? Like his son is not a fan of him either. And uh, his story was so painful and so rough. And, you know, I think it's funny that these are all very real things that happen in the world in different ways. And it's so funny when you're you think about the fact that some people are only being exposed to this through a comic book movie. Like they're only or TV show, I should say, you know, like black erasure is like this big thing and it's very real and it happens all the time and it's it's been happening. And I think some people obviously are going to be oblivious to that until they see it in a form in a in a form of content that they consume and then it you know brings it home to them and i think that they started you know they they started picking up a lot of the stuff that was presented in in black panther you know the marvel is not marvel and disney are not afraid to have very real conversations and I felt like I, I, I personally thought that and obviously not that I'm one to comment or like, you know, I'm no authority on this type of stuff, but I thought it was very well handled and, and uh, very interesting and very heartbreaking. A lot of this show, in addition to WandaVision, there's a lot of trauma kind of weaved in and out of these more character driven stories. And uh, yeah, I thought all of the stuff with Isaiah Bradley uh, it was was really interesting. Um, and yeah, the end was very touching. Uh, I still think he needed his entire wing because I think most people are going to walk and be like, oh, here's a statue of someone. It's like, no, 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 like a little bit more. But I thought I thought that was nice, you know, and I like that they have brought that character into the fold. And at least he's now a piece, even though he's not actively like we're not doing an Isaiah Bradley film, you know, the fact that we know his struggle and that he exists and that it's something for people that enjoy these films to think about. It's nice that it's there. And that kind of led into Sam's final speech, so to say, when he was talking to, I believe they were senators after they were rescued. And I didn't feel like that worked quite as well because it felt a little forced and Sam was like, here's all the things that the senators have been doing this entire time that we didn't show you, but I'm just going to tell you everything all at once. It felt like a little too much exposition for me. Yeah, got it. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I also thought it was kind of, yeah, like it was a little too too long, Yeah, <laughs> yeah the talk. And it was like, I, 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 and don't get me wrong, like I know what they're trying to get across and 
I felt like they really accomplished that. But that was one of the scenes that took me out of the moment is like that speech went on a little too long. Like it could have it was it was also a little bit like this is so hokey, you know, like it's uh, not to say that like those, uh, you know, everyone was thinking it. I felt like you said it's like a little too much exposition. I think that's where this show would have benefited from another episode or two just yeah. to show us these things happening instead of having to have these long conversations and this one was mostly one-sided obviously and it felt like it just needed a little more room to breathe because WandaVision was eight episodes? Uh, I think nine. Nine? Okay. And this, you know, they condensed it down to six. Obviously the episodes were a little longer, but the credits take up so much time. I've noticed in these that I was like, okay, 50 minutes isn't really 50 minutes. It's more like 43 or something still. But I think another episode or two would have been great to just kind of flesh out a few more things. I think keeping Val as sort of this mysterious figure works because we know she's not just going to be gone after this. You know, we don't really know if Isaiah Bradley is going to appear again. So with his story, it's like you needed something much more wrapped up than, you know, some of the other characters. And obviously, we will be seeing Sharon again, the way they had the post credit scene or mid credit scene, whichever it was. And it just felt like they tried to do a little too much in six episodes. They did. And and I also really am curious about how much if they did those rumors are about, you know, about them having to rewrite and reposition a lot of the show. I'm curious, you know, how much of that would have been different, you know, how many things were changed last minute. There's also a rumor that uh, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus was supposed to originally show up in Black Widow first. Who knows if that'll end up happening? Maybe, you know, we'll know soon enough. I can't believe it. That movie's actually coming out. <laughs> I feel like it's it's a little nutty at this point. Um, but yeah, I think also, you know, if there is a season two, I think that they will, it will be a lot tighter. I think it will be much tighter if we get a season two. Um, I think that they will learn from a lot of these mistakes and, you know, it's not like they aren't listening. Um, there are enough talking heads who do kind of have some realistic problems with the show uh, that, you know, Disney's going to learn from that. But I, like I said, I think just given the state of the world and everything, the fact that we got this and that it was mostly good is a win. Yeah. You also have the flag smashers too, who I think are interesting because they want to do something good, but they take the completely wrong approach to do that. They're of the opinion that in order to achieve their goal, they have to do everything so dramatically, and they have to make a big scene about it. And you're always going to have people who feel that way, both in comic book shows and movies and in real life. You know, maybe in real life, they can't go to this extreme because we do not have super soldier serum. And they didn't really feel fully fleshed out necessarily. Obviously, Carly was the focus point, And you kind of just have every every one else from the Flag Smashers in the background. So do you think that for what the show wanted to accomplish, they were a good enough villain? Or did you want to see more from them? They were whatever. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that there were finally other super soldiers actually like active somewhere in this universe. Because, you know, we only had Winter Soldier, Steve, 
and then all of those other winter soldiers that were killed off screen in civil war. Um, that was about the only interesting part to me, uh, that, you know, the super soldier serum, some variant of it's floating around out there and that, you know, it's still this thing. And I thought it's funny. Like you have Marvel's also very good about giving us villains that we like to root for. Uh, you know, we haven't, we barely talked about Zemo, but Zemo played a, a pretty decent part. We got a lot of Zemo backstory, which I really enjoyed in this show too, but they weren't going to make him the main villain again. I thought, you know, I think, um, I think, like I said, I think this was more of like an establishing thing for more of these giving this show was less about a villain. Cause I felt like even WandaVision, like, yeah, uh, I guess the, you know, Agatha is the villain, but even there, there's other villains. You know, you've got Sword, you know, uh, Hay- uh, Hayward from Sword and all. Like, there's all of these antagonists. And I think Marvel always has a few antagonists. And sometimes it's not really clear who the main antagonist is. Because you've got, obviously, you've got uh, uh, Sharon. You've got, who is, I guess, now an antagonist. And then also Flag Smashers and um, the French dude, the Leaper. <laughs> Forget... Um, Backtrack, backtrack, the leaper. There's all sorts of bad guys in this thing, but not a clear like. And I, I feel like Marvel's going to have this issue until they, uh, once again, establish who like the next Thanos is. You know, whether it's Kang the Conqueror or whatever. Like, I think that it's going to feel like everyone is. I think Marvel. Everyone has always said like, oh, your villains aren't that scary. You know, it was really only until Loki and then Thanos we don't really have one that's super menacing yet. So I think it's going to be a bunch of like tiny little threats until something, you know, is big enough to, to pose such a big threat. And I think that's okay for the shows because we're not expecting everyone to show up in the shows the same way you would in an Avengers movie. So you're not really expecting an entire slew of X-Men to show up in the show. And suddenly, you know, there's, another Magneto or something for the X-Men to fight. And I felt like the Flag Smashers, like you said, they were fine, kind of whatever. And I think they kind of just served the purpose to tell Sam and Bucky's story. So they weren't really the focus of the show in the same way that, you know, Thanos was a huge focus in Infinity War and Endgame and, you know, leading up to that as well. But Is there anything else we haven't hit on that you want to touch on before we talk about suits and an arm? (laughs) No, I was, I think we've covered most of it. (laughs) So we have the initial suit that John Walker is wearing as Captain America, which is not the same as Steve Rogers, Captain America suit, which I think was a good move because people would have hated it if he just put on Steve's suit and you have, his U.S. agent suit at the end, we get Falcon's new suit. And we already knew Bucky had the arm, but just seeing the way the Dora Milaje kind of had it fall right off, I was like, The pressure point thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I love it. Also, the fact that it came out and it looked kind of like a... Like when you pop the arm off of like your action figure, yeah. it's got like the slot, even like it even had like the slot on the inside that was Bacondin. And when he puts it on, he does that whole like, uh, you know, twisting it to kind of yeah. get it like calibrated. And he did that in Winter Soldier too. And I always thought that was so cool. I loved that scene where the Dora Milaje 
just like like you know do the pressure points on his arm and it just falls off and they're like you fucked up bro <laughs> and sam's like did you know it could do that <laughs> no <laughs> that, that was, was um yeah i i thought that was great um you know, it's funny. There were a lot of interesting rumors about the shield that at least so far have not come true. But like one of the most interesting theories, one that's floating around right now is obviously that shield that Steve gave him at the end of Endgame, which is, you know, what he's using here is not the same shield that Steve has had in the past. Where did that come from? There's, you know, in speculation that it could be revealed later to be proto-animantium instead of vibranium there's also one of the most interesting theories i have my friend told me it was that when steve went back the shield actually there's that line where he says how does it feel and he says it feels like it belongs to somebody else and he says well it doesn't a friend of mine was telling me there was a theory that like that shield actually does belong to sam from an alternate timeline where he was captain america and steve was actually bringing it to him to give it to him which i thought that was an awesome theory too Am I married to any of these theories? No, but I think that like those could be, I still think it would be cool if we find out some more stuff about the shield. Like maybe it's got some hidden elements in it. Um, but you know, we didn't get any of that, but I do feel like it was cool. I like that they, you know, since we're talking about suits, we should talk about his new suit. Like I thought that was really interesting. I do have questions. It was given to him by the Wakandans are, what part of that suit was it the wings? I assume only the wings uh, because everything else just looked like a Captain America suit to me and obviously a different orientation. I felt like his suit was more patriotic than any of the Steve, the Steve suits that we got in some sort of way. It was pretty comics accurate. Accurate. Absolutely. What I remember because there's like a whole series of Captain America comics where Sam is Captain America and right. this suit is very, very similar. It looks identical. Yeah. Like, and same with the US agent suit. I mean, even the first Captain America quote unquote suit that they had him wearing was like a variant of the US agent suit just with, with actual red and blue and all that stuff. And then at the end, it's even more like the US agent suit and it's black. So like all of that, I think, you know, that makes it, it's kind of funny because it's like the whole idea of like, oh, I operate in the gray, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm not red, white and blue. I'm black and red and white. <laughs> I'm doing like the shady shit that no one else wants to do. I felt like Sam's suit was actually, like I said, more patriotic than anything Steve's worn. And it's like, even if that can be possible in any sort of way. I think some of it has to do with having the wings too. The wings too, absolutely. But I, you know, those are new wings. So I assume that that's what's vibranium because there was even a scene where he's like fighting backtrack and he like digs the wings into the ground to like kind of push them back. I'm, I'm fairly certain I'm going to be looking out for those breakdown videos. You know what I'm talking about, but uh, I'm going to be looking out for those breakdown videos for someone to like break it down frame by frame and be like, yeah, those look like vibranium wings. Um, because otherwise, why do you involve the Wakandans in building an American suit? <laughs> like, uh, oh, like, can you help me like build this like really obnoxious redneck patriotic suit? Like Wakanda, please. I, you know, I think it's like, it's fitting that it came some of the tech came from Wakanda especially since you know Sam has a history of fighting alongside the Wakandans and and you know brought them Zemo at the end like I think there were a lot of strings but I I feel I have to feel like what's the point of having Wakanda build the suit if those wings aren't 
vibranium, right? So, and we've also seen John Walker just destroyed his old rings by uh, old old uh, wings by just tearing them apart. Um, I don't see him doing that if they were vibranium. So I'm going to assume that these are vibranium wings. But uh, the suit was badass and <laughs> it looked great. It, and you were like, and like you said, I was surprised it was so comic accurate because I had seen pictures of him. I knew what he looked like in the comics as Captain America. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, that looks practically identical based on the stuff I remember in my head from what I saw of it. I was expecting it to be like all vibranium. I was expecting it to be like more sleek and like, you know, maybe he just like kind of like how Iron Man had that nanotech where he just like, you know, taught touches one thing and it just goes around his body or something similar. I thought it was going to be more like the, uh, you know, the the necklace that turns into the Black Panther suit. Um, So I was a little surprised that it was, you know, more traditional, but not not upset. You know, like I said, it's very I was just surprised that they went so comic accurate with it. Yeah, I'm just reading up on the suit real quick here. And, you know, this is just from like the Marvel fandom site. So it's hard to tell if this is going to be exactly the explanation for the TV suit. But in the comics, Black Panther gives him a new suit and it actually has vibranium in the suit, like micro weaved in. So it's kind of bulletproof. And then the wings are hard light whatever that means and they can kind of just be configured a bunch of different ways but i'm not sure we necessarily saw that with the wings so it might be some sort of combination of you know vibranium wings or adamantium even if that's the case for the shield too i think the uh, shield is more likely to be adamantium but like who knows i mean maybe we are not gonna get maybe we won't get adamantium until they're literally like here's the weapon x program yeah (laughs) like who knows you know it's it's it is it is fun to speculate and that's the thing like this gave us plenty to speculate on just like wandavision did and i love it and i'm here for it you know it's it's what drives us Yeah, let's talk a little about what could be next. I'm not super confident that any of these shows are going to have multiple seasons because it really seems like these are being used as stepping stones to the movies. And, you know, maybe you don't need to watch these things to jump to the movies because some people just aren't built for watching TV shows. They're like, I'm a movie person, so I'm just going to watch the movies. And, you know, I think depending on what happens with Doctor Strange and what happens with, I guess, Spider-Man the fourth 3. Captain America movie, yeah, we'll kind of see what Marvel's plan is for these shows going forward once we see, you know, obviously Doctor Strange is probably going to come first before a fourth Captain America movie, but there's a lot going on in these shows that I think is really great information to have, but I don't really see them being anything more than miniseries at the moment. Yeah, which I'd be fine with. Honestly, I like contained series. I thought that's, you know, WandaVision handled that really well. If this is where they ended it and they said, hey, you'll see these guys again in like the next team up movie or something, or they're, you know, that they're going to show up at some point. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I actually don't want a second season. Like I would prefer just have them show up as side characters or, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, it looks like we're getting this fourth Captain America movie. I'd be down with that too, especially if it's Sam's Captain America. I mean, there were rumors that we were going to get some sort of, uh, some more Chris Evans Captain America in the fold and whether that is like an alternate universe, you know, maybe him, 
you know, back in the past again, operating and under a different moniker because he has to be on the sidelines in that end game scenario. Um, I'd be fine with, but I'd be more, I'm definitely more interested in a Sam Captain America movie now that we've established that. And, you know, like I said, if that were to be the next time we get these characters, I'd be fine and on board with that. I don't need to have, uh, multiple seasons of a show because as you know like that means that it runs the risk of going too long not that the first season was perfect by any stretch i do think that if they were to say we're gonna do two seasons and that's it i'd be fine with that if they were like we're gonna do one more you know and maybe like clean up a little bit of the stuff that we kind of presented these ideas but didn't really quite finish or follow through or you know those like kind of head scratcher moments maybe they could explain later in season two it's not actually what we thought but I feel like if they were to do a season two they'd have a really good reason to but otherwise I'm just gonna trust Marvel's plan and kind of go along for the ride because there's still so much more yeah to me it feels like they're setting up season-long stories so maybe we get a show with Sharon Carter. Maybe we get a Hydra show or something like that. And we see the whole Madam Hydra thing play out. And it felt like they were setting those two things up and US agent more than anything that they did with Sam and Bucky, because they kind of have some closure at the end. It's like Sam took up the mantle, Bucky's going to stick with him and they're kind of going to do this thing together. Yeah. I, uh, I do think that there's a lot more to explore. Someone I heard theorized that Sharon Carter might show up in Armor Wars because she was talking about, you know, having access to all this tech now at the end after she's pardoned. I just, I still can't believe they did that. <laughs> I still can't believe that they brought her in as the power broker and that we're supposed to just like believe. I could believe that she was working for the power broker. That was what I expected. I expected they were just going to be like, oh yeah, the power broker's this person and Sharon's been working for them the whole time. Um, having her be the power broker just felt so lazy. <laughs> just like, and like I said, it gives all of these people on the internet that were theorizing it gives them ammo to be like, see, since I predicted this, I clearly know good storytelling because it was how I predicted it. It's like, no, because you predicted it, it's bad, bad storytelling. If you call it a mile off and then it actually like ends up being true. It's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I did not like that at all. That was, that had to be my least favorite part of the whole show. But, um, yeah, I think that the future is bright. I'm excited for a fourth cap America movie. I'm, I'm excited, uh, to, see them show up again at some point, but whether it's a season two or another movie remains to be seen, obviously. Some of these characters could also play into Secret Invasion because Val was part of that storyline in the comics and, you know, Samuel L. Jackson would be back for that, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot they can do because the only reason I think they're going to keep these to single seasons is because of how much they announced. You have you know, Loki coming up, She-Hulk was announced, Miss Marvel, Secret Invasion, Armor Wars, some of the stuff's animated. Hawkeye. We still got Hawkeye. Yeah. They're film. They're like, I think they're, they're, they might be either done or re- uh, close to done with principal photography on, on uh, Hawkeye because they've been shooting that for a while. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think they just have too much. I think they have too much. Uh, not too much, but too much to like do a second season for these shows. 
if they were doing multiple seasons, they would really be running the risk of giving people way too much because people like you and I, we're also going to go watch all of the Star Wars stuff probably. So I know I am at least. I, I will. I will. I will at least give it a shot. Yeah. Like I said, as long as they're working and I know that they are, you know, since we're talking Star Wars that they've talked about, like, you know, moving to, like, the older stuff for, like, the old, like, Legends Jedi stuff and, you know, things that don't have to do with Skywalker and Solo and all of these people that we already know. I want new stuff. And that's, you know, I, same for Marvel. I want Marvel to, like, not everything has to be always tied. But, and I think that's a good part of, like, the reason that they don't keep characters around all the time. Sure, some of them get multiple deaths, but... um I, I, I do I do appreciate the fact that like they're like, okay, you're now getting Shang-Chi, you're now getting the Eternals, you're gonna be getting XY, like all of these things. Uh we're gonna be getting a new blade eventually. We're gonna be getting um Fantastic Four finally. Like, I mean, there's so much coming that I just feel like having a second season of some of these shows would be a detriment, not a positive. So anyway. Yeah, well, I've been trying to do some recommendations at the end of episodes here, so I'll start with mine. Mine is Truth, Red, White, and Black, which is the comic that dives into Isaiah Bradley's story. It's only seven issues. I actually just busted it out last night and was like, all right, I'm going to read this whole thing. Is it on, uh, what, what's the Marvel service? Yeah, but that was a really good look at some more backstory from him, and I think it's just extra material that you can read to dive into his story some more. But do you have anything you want to recommend? Oh, man, I'm going to recommend that, too. And I'm going to go read it. Uh, I am. I don't have anything re related to the episode. I could make a relate. Uh, I could make a suggestion based on something completely different. But if you want to keep it in the uh, the realm of what we just discussed, I'm just going to say what you just recommended and I'm going <laughs> to go read it. Um, otherwise, go watch For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus. That show is amazing. We'll count that as a wreck. We'll let cool. that one go this time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Any final thoughts here? I thought this was fun, not perfect. I think we talked about some of the things we thought didn't work well. And for Sam and Bucky, I think the story worked well. There were just other aspects that they brought in. And I was like, eh, we didn't need that. Yep. No, I agree. I felt like the core of the story, which was the two of them, and their stories being moved along, I think they did it well. I liked the stuff with Isaiah Bradley and the themes and the ideas that it presented. And like I said, that Marvel's not afraid to like get their hands dirty on some very, I wouldn't say mature topics, but just like very real world, sad things to talk about, sad realities of the world um, that, you know, we have, we have an obligation to be better about. And Disney and Marvel are kind of presenting us these ideas in ways that are like, I'll, you know, like I said, usually go unseen by these types of audiences now are being presented to us in a format that we're watching. And, and um, I think I think that's nice. Did Was the show perfect? No, um, there was plenty of stuff that I had problems and issues with, but nothing had to do with the two main characters and their story just had to do with some of the details surrounding their story, uh, which were a little ridiculous. But um in general, I liked it. I, I'm i I'm still excited about the rest. I And I'm excited, you know, I really hope Hawkeye's awesome. 
I'm so excited that we're practically being walked right up to Young Avengers. Who knows if we're going to get it, but uh, they seem to be pushing that narrative. So yeah. And who knows? Maybe we could get Eli Bradley. Was it Eli Bradley is his son? Oh, the grandson? Yeah, the grandson. I'm bad with names. I think it's Eli Bradley. I could be wrong. Uh, Elijah Bradley, Eli Bradley. It's, I believe it's Isaiah and Elijah or Eli. Um, but he could pop back up again. Do I think he will? Probably not. But uh, the idea that all of these people exist, we know that Miles Morales exists somewhere in this MCU spider thing as well. So it's like they're planting seeds. There's there are seeds that they may not actually water for a while. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. So you were correct, Eli. Was there another kid too? I think that was actually just a neighborhood kid. AJ, I believe, is Sam's nephew, one of them. Oh, okay, got it. Too I many kids say, in this. I know we had that one kid that said, Aren't you the black falcon? He's yeah. like, Are you just black kid? <laughs> that's I that was that was pretty funny. And there was also I want to mention there's that line in the finale where he says, I'm Captain America. And then the guy goes, I thought he was on the moon. I thought the way I thought he was going to answer it was like, I thought he was white. And then the fact that they actually instead said, Oh, I thought he was on the moon was such a better line. <laughs> Cause it's like people like me were expecting one thing and then they got yeah. another, which just flipped it. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what's next. I, I know we'll be talking about it. My last thought is that we need to give a quick shout out to Sam's sister, Sarah, because she is sort of not afraid to tell Sam when he's slacking off in the family department. And I just thought that dynamic was really good. And a lot of people love that, like, Bucky was immediately flirting with Sam's sister and that sort of thing. And she wasn't a major player in this, but it did solidify what Sam's life is like when he's not busy being Falcon or now Captain America. And I just enjoyed that part of it, too. But I think that wraps up everything we have to say on this. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me once again to talk about another Marvel property. Oh, anytime. Anytime. You know it. I throw I I need I need someone to talk about this <laughs> stuff with. Still I'm still uh processing so much of it. Still yeah. processing Endgame. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's hard to do these episodes so soon after watching it because it's like our heads are racing with thoughts. And obviously, there are people all over YouTube doing speculation and things like that, probably much better than you and I could. Yeah, but of course. this was fun. And I'm sure you'll be back on again soon. Oh, you know it. Maybe we can do some Marvel What If episodes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. All right, everyone. That does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.